Super Talk Mississippi media production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad that you're with us across the state, coast to coast, border to border on the Super Talk network of stations. This is the Eagle Hour, second to last program before the end of the year, and we flip the calendar to 2022. On our program today, we're going to be talking about the history of the Southern Miss golf program. If there's a program at Southern Miss that many times gets overlooked for its ability to crank out great uh, great athletes in that particular sport, I think it's the golf program. We'll be talking with Gary Cooper, who played uh, at Southern Miss from 1973 to 1977. He won five city championships, was runner-up, and uh, probably three or four more. And Jimmy Carpenter is going to join us as well. Uh, Jimmy's dad, of course, James Ray Carpenter, was a coach at Southern Miss. Jimmy played and was a coach at Southern Miss as well. A little bit later on in the program, we'll be going to New Orleans, where Patrick McGee will join us from NOLA.com. We'll see what's up with the Saints and uh, COVID protocol and how that's going to affect the Saints the rest of the way. Talk about their playoff chances as well. And then a little bit uh, later in the program, we're going to just get you up to date as to things that are going on in the Southern Miss program, including a couple of basketball games coming up this weekend. First segment brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Dickie's Barbecue, consistent in quality across the country. They can cater your event, uh, get your New Year's started off the right way. You can call ahead or you can drive through. Uh, I purposely go there so that while they're finishing my order, I can down two or three bowls of the soft-serve ice cream. <laughs> See, it's I, I plan it all out. Uh, Dickie's Barbecue, glad to be with us here on the Eagle Hour, and we're glad to have them as well. So we mentioned Jimmy Carpenter and Gary Cooper are with us as we talk the history of the Southern Miss men's golf program. We welcome you guys both, and I, I want to start, Jimmy, in 1957 is when the Van Hook Golf Course, which... Can we have a moment of silence, right, yeah, for, for, that. for the golf community uh, when we lost the Van Hook Golf Course? Opened in 1957, but going back to 1951, B.O. Van Hook, which B.O. stands for Benjamin Ormond Van Hook, was the original coach of the Southern Miss golf team. So what do we know about the history of the program before Van Hook opened? Uh Davis Love came here. Davis Love the <laughs> second. second. He came here to go to graduate school, and he actually helped B.O. Van Hook as an assistant coach for maybe one year. Uh, so that was one thing neat uh, prior to the golf course opening. And he, and he later passed away prematurely, I think, in an yes. auto or, or plane crash. Plane crash. You know. Plane crash. At but, an early age. But I wonder where the, where the teams practiced before Van Hook even opened. On, on the golf course that we owned where the current uh, Reed Green Coliseum and Natatorium is was a nine-hole golf course, regulation length, sand greens. Kind of cool. Now, see, I never knew that. <laughs> and I thought I knew a lot yeah, about Southern Miss yeah, history. Yeah, there was a golf course there, nine-hole sand greens. And that was before Van Hook opened. Yes, yes. And uh, they actually built the Hattiesburg Country Club and Southern Miss at about the same time. I think the Country Club opened in their current location 
the year before the Van Hook golf course opened. So it's reasonable to assume that the university owned that land that Van Hook sat on prior to them actually building the course. Would that be reasonable? Yeah, it, it was uh, donated to the university sometime in the middle 50s. Let me guess, the Tatum family. (laughs) (laughs) It it was the Thoreau family. Okay. Lake Thoreau out there. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Thoreau family was a part of that original ownership. Man, that's that's some good stuff that we've learned about this program from the get-go. Gary Cooper, you played there from 1973 to 1977, and as we mentioned, five uh, city championships after you left Southern Miss. How did you get started at Southern Miss, Gary? How did you wind up there? And, and Jimmy's dad, James Ray, was your coach. And yes, he was a great coach. He was so fun. He had a wonderful sense of humor. He loved to laugh. Our trips were epic on our golf team trips that we had. Which uh, we, we, they were so epic, we can't share them even on radio. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were just fun. He was a fun coach. He was a, he was a player's coach. He was a guy, you know, he never beat you up. He never did. I mean, he just always was positive. And uh, we just had the greatest of times. And I tell you what, we had a lot of good players during those years, and he helped us enormously. And uh, it was just it was just fun. I can't say enough good things about that era. In, in our pre-show meeting, Jimmy brought out a very good point, you know, that back when you were playing at the collegiate level, golfers, it was kind of a second thing, kind of like the golf coach, like let's draw straws. Nobody wants to coach golf. Will you do it? Yeah, I'll do it. You know, get an extra 100 bucks a year or whatever. Were the guys that came through at your time, Coop, were they all athletes other than just golf? You know, people played a lot of things. I would give you uh, Judd Vance as an example who played on our golf team. Judd was an excellent basketball player. He was an excellent at everything he did. Uh, a lot of other people had other talents and, and things in golf, but we all loved to play. And here was a really great place to play. And um, But uh, I got here and just basically walked on, just came up to school here. Uh, my start was at LSU. I was there two semesters. <clears throat> then went to work at Diamond Head on the Mississippi Gulf Coast for a year for a friend of mine. And a guy down there said, man, you need to come to Hattiesburg. And I was looking for a place to go to school. And uh, so I wound up here, and I've been uh, very fortunate, uh, you know, ever since. I mean, so the fact that you walked on back, <clears throat> excuse me, in the early 70s, when that leads to believe that, that golf at the high school level really didn't exist or wasn't as prominent perhaps as it is today? Not like today. Now, now, keep in mind the era that we were in, okay? Try this. No computers, no cell phones, no anything. 43 and a half inch persimmon drivers, irons that you'd probably throw away today, a golf ball that you could cut wide open. You know, it would hook 40, 50 yards, whatever. So golf was a different deal back then. And uh, But it was a lot of fun because it was the heyday of a lot of great players. You know, you had, you had Nicholas, you had Johnny Miller, you had Tom Weiskopf, you had Palmer still playing. You had, it was a, there was a lot of energy in golf, and so – Back then, plus with the Magnolia Classic being in town, it really golf here was pretty pretty darn cool. Yeah, and Jimmy Carpenter, one thing I want to ask you is: is don't you don't you think generally uh, that that golfers' athleticism, lots of times, golfers aren't credited with the athleticism that perhaps they deserve? Uh, they are, but back in Gary's and my days playing at the university, nobody did anything physical for golf. You got into the 1990s, and these guys started exercising their golf muscles and developing physiques to play golf to the nth degree. Yeah, but you, but you guys grew up – you guys generally grew up in the same era with me when you were looking at Julius Boros and Billy Casper and these guys with the big old guts that would be smoking while they were playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of bad habits a lot of golfers have. I, I wanted to go back to one of the other things about multi-sport athletes. One of the cool things about the university's program – 
is so many of the athletes that played on the golf team got involved in the golf industry. Primarily, I would say because of my father, but there are so many golf professionals, club professionals, and teaching pros that came out of the golf program. So the mess kind of cool. How did you deal with being James Ray Carpenter's son? Jimmy, the, the expectations naturally because of the high bar that your father set. Well, the expectations to play the game were kind of there, but I was never a great golfer. My father was not a great golfer, so it was sense that we weren't great golfers. We just run a golf course and be people persons. So, so Coop, you talked about his, his father, the great James Ray Carpenter, who later went on to be the president of the PGA of America, said that he was a so, – so what would a practice consist of? For you guys, you said that, that it was fun and all that, but but if, okay. if James Ray wasn't a great golfer, what did practice? Well, to start with, I'm I'm going to tell you a story that tells you he actually was a great golfer. But <laughs> anyway, uh, you know what he made us do a lot of times? We go out to the Van Hook Golf Course and we would tee off every hole with a six iron, a six iron to make the course play basically twice as long. We're hitting long shots in the green or whatever. So if we had a particularly long course that we we're going to play an event on, that's how we would prepare. He was very creative in how we qualified for the golf team and with the players that we had. It was hard to make the top four spots, you know, on the on the travel squad. But he would have us do very creative things. And, and we'd have chipping and putting and drills and things and whatever. But it was always in fun. It was he was a lot of fun. Um, if oh, I he, have, was a, he was a character. If I have a chance to tell a very quick story, Tanny Cole was uh, he played a really good player, played on the golf team, came down from Murray State to walk on at Southern. And uh, anyway, so he played a practice round with James Ray, and after you know played okay, and he and he gets in and and he said, well, how'd I do? He said, well, you did okay. He said, but I shot 64. I made everything I looked at, and he said, you're good luck to me, so you're on the team. <laughs> <laughs> hey, any way you can get there, right? Absolutely. When we come back, and I'm going to ask both of you guys this question as we go into commercial break. In our second segment, we're going to get Luke Johnson involved here. But if you guys could pick. Probably and try to go different directions here in this. If you could pick the top three guys, Coop, that you ever played against or with at Southern Miss, and Jimmy, maybe as a coach and as a player too, three other names that people might be familiar with. We're going to talk about success of, of Southern Miss players on the PGA Tour. Glenn Natchik, probably the, the most successful, although he's of Canadian descent, uh, certainly had a good name. Or gave Southern Miss a good name on the golf course. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Davis Riley, who is from Hattiesburg, didn't play at Southern Miss, um, but now has earned his card on the PGA Tour. And in this season already, going back to, I think, uh, you know, early November or late October, it's already amassed some $300,000 in winnings with a seventh-place finish. So we're going to talk about the, the state of the game of golf, not only at Southern Miss, but a little bit about Davis Riley. Luke Johnson will join us in our next segment as well. Will Tony pressing all the right buttons for us today on the producer board, and the Eagle Hour continues after these commercial messages. Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Campus Bookmark. It's the big yellow building right across from the main entrance of the campus at Southern Miss. You can't miss it. 
Everything that you need for the Southern Miss fan in your family, including a baseball swag, is going to be starting to roll in here pretty quickly. And they even have sizes for us full-figured guys. Just uh, ask, tell, I remember I went in there one time. They said, Mr. Kelly, what size do you need? And I told them, and, and this was the response, do what? <laughs> I've gotten that same look before. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but they can take care of you. They had that size at, uh, at Campus Bookmark. They're available online all the time. Before Luke Johnson gets in here, Gary Cooper, another quick uh, James Ray Carpenter story. Okay, this is a good one. Uh, we're all around the pro shop, <clears throat> several of us. And now this is at Van Hook? At Van Hook, yes. Okay. And um, somebody comes in and says, we got a problem out on the golf course. It says over behind number uh, three green and number four tee, said that we've got a naked man that's harassing the golfers. He's coming out of the woods and harassing them. And I said, you know, golf's hard enough as it is without somebody naked coming and harassing you in the woods while you're trying to hit. So, but anyway, so have you ever seen one of those old Western movies where John Wayne rounded up a posse to go chase the bad guy down? Yes. James Ray rounded up a posse. We've had golf carts instead of horses. I know telling how many we had. So here we go. And he got his starters, you know, has his starters pistol with him and whatever. So we fan out and we go over there and we found him over by 16 Green in the woods. And uh, we saw him over there and we yelled at him or whatever. And man, he took off running. James Ray shot his gun three times in the air. And of course, the guy thought he was shooting at him. We never saw him again. <laughs> well, maybe perhaps that's where streaking started, you know, back about that time. We had an old West posse of golf carts. <laughs> hey, Luke Johnson, Jimmy Carpenter, and Gary Cooper are our guests. Yeah, Gary uh, actually did, was, was able to dig up some stats. Do you remember the Jim Corbett classic? Yes, I do, very well. That was, I you're, like a dog. you're still in the history books in Southern Miss golf. Uh, you shot a 66 in round two. And had a uh, two-day score of 136. That yeah. I, I guess that is very, very familiar in your mind. Yes, it is. That is some digging there. Way to go. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. <laughs> Tell us about that. What, what made that, that tournament so special for you? You know, the fact that I was at LSU for a couple semesters. Uh, Coach Brogdon was a friend of uh, Sonny Fowler, who was an assistant pro at Rosswood Country Club in Pine Bluff. And, and I had walked on LSU, and what I transferred over to here and uh, so I knew a little bit about the golf course, and I had a really good friend of mine playing there, Stan Lee from Arkansas, who was all everything. He was a three-time All-American at LSU. So I had a little motivation to beat old Stan, and I did very well for the first couple of rounds, but the second, the third round, uh, Stan's across the 18th fairway playing 17 or whatever. He screams at me across the fairway, said, said, hey, Cooper, wake up. You don't know what you're doing. I'm telling you, I went to pieces after that. And Stan wound up, as I recall, Stan won the tournament. I've finished back a little bit. But that was a fun time and a fun trip. Gary Cooper has won five city championships over four decades. Of course, equipment has changed over that time. Not quite as strong as you were back when you were collegiate. But that's certainly certainly a record um, in itself. Jimmy, um, let's talk, first of all, the big – Draft is coming up. You know, there's fantasy football, there's fantasy NASCAR, there's fantasy golf. Yes. In the Hattiesburg area, we want all Southern Miss fans to be involved. It's going to take place Tuesday night. The draft is going to take place Tuesday night, January 11th. 11th at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yes. In Hattiesburg. Yes. Tell people how it works. We, we gather at six o'clock and we put a bunch of people together and we throw some money in the hat. I think it's $100 a team and we draft the tour players from a hat. 
uh, we pick, we get draw numbers from a hat, and then we pick the tour players to play for us. We generally get four or five players, and they'll play all year long, and we plot their standings in each and every tournament, and uh, have a great time. They're awarded points depending on how they how they finish. Yes, and it goes all the way through the year. So if you're a golf fan now, if it, and maybe just a casual fan, but if you've got one of the guys that's on the leaderboard, believe me, you're watching that tournament it's, that weekend. It's an awful lot of fun. Everybody that's participated has really had a good. Time. Well, one of the, one of the names that uh, hopefully will be on the leaderboard a lot this year is Hattiesburg's own Davis Riley, who prepped at Presbyterian Christian High School, then went on to play for a school in Tuscaloosa whose name doesn't really bring come to mind. But uh, but Jimmy, when it comes to golfers in Mississippi and Hattiesburg, tell us about Davis Riley's skill set. He's already won close to three hundred thousand, if not over three hundred thousand, in the very short two thousand twenty two PGA Tour year so far. Yes, Davis Riley has all the abilities to play great golf he's got a great mind about him he he can withstand a lot of pressure out there Uh, so he will do very well he may not be one of the greatest tour players to ever play the tour but he's going to represent mississippi extremely well yeah he's already already done pretty well coop i talked about winning those five championships over over four decades how how will we be able to do that your game obviously evolved equipment has evolved uh, everybody else just lost. I was who was left. <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a minute. Uh, I, I have nothing to say in defense of myself. Uh, I was in a fog. That was a long time ago. Uh, so, you know, I, I played. I enjoyed it. I just, just, just had a good time when I played. And just whoever finished, is, that's how we finished. And there was a lot of great competition, uh, you know, in the city. And we actually opened it up to professionals for a couple times. And uh, it was just a lot of fun, and I just, it, I just happened to have my day. I have, I have an answer for that. Let me interrupt. Okay. Uh, we didn't have a driving range at the time. However, Gary Cooper practiced more than anybody else for probably three decades. Gary was constantly working on his swing and his game and trying to stay ahead of it. He had great ability, but he also worked at it constantly. Luke, do you, Luke, do you play? Do you play golf? Uh, com- compared to these two fine gentlemen, what I do is not worthy to be called playing. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm, I'm about a, uh, I'm about a 91, 92 guy. I was playing at a, at a uh, course down in, um, it was right. It was actually when I, right when I got finished up at Southern Miss, I was learning to play golf and having to transition to another sport. We pulled into one of those nice courses down in, um, outside of Pensacola and I looked at a guy and I said, "Man, I shot I shot under this round." And the guy taking the uh, the clubs off our cart was like, "Sir, that's pretty good for this course." I was like, "No, man, I meant a hundred. He went, "Oh." <laughs> well, as as a when, punter, perhaps you would have had better success kicking the ball down the fairway, huh? Yeah, perhaps. And <laughs> going going back to LSU, you know, uh, VJ Charlio's son Cohen is is now on there. But but guys, when when you think about you know one of the the, the best courses in Mississippi, Old Waverly. Both of the pros there, Tim Bielverden and VJ Cholio, are Southern Miss guys. That that's pretty special to me as a Mississippi golfer. Very special to me too. Uh, VJ and uh, Tim were both on the team when I was not the coach, but I was a golf pro at the golf course, and I got to spend a lot of time with them. And those guys were just students of the game from the get go, and now they're teaching professionals and pumping them out right and left up there all right before i get your 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 top names that you'd want to that were tough to play against uh looking some of these golf coaches b.o van hook of course where the goat ranch was named after affectionately called the goat ranch sam hall was coached twice we lost sam not long ago your father james way carpenter we lost not too long ago teddy bouchelon larry albers 
Jerry Weeks, and now Eddie Brescher, who's doing a great job as coach at Southern Miss. Eddie would have to be the greatest coach in Southern Miss history for what he's already accomplished. Truly. He's got some uh, stats and data to back that up. All right, Jimmy, your dad was the president of the PGA of America. So you've gotten to meet a lot of these big-time golfers. Anyone that's your particular favorite, and were any of them turds? Uh, (laughs) Everybody has their opinion. Of course. I didn't think any of them were turds. I I liked all their good points, but Payne Stewart was my greatest – admiration for an introduction I'd ever had. I stopped and to get his autograph, and I told him who I was. He quit signing autographs to tell me a story about my father. Mm. And it, it was just real. And, we, and we've yeah. lost Payne Stewart as yeah, well. And absolutely. he always, I think out of affection for your father, he always played the Deposit Guarantee Golf Classic you know, yeah, in Hattiesburg. I think Hattiesburg. he played it twice. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then he really hit the big time when he was playing <laughs> another tournament that same weekend because yes. the Deposit Guarantee was usually the same weekend as, as the Masters. All right, Gary Cooper. Real quick, top three names, Southern Miss Golf, that, that if you had to pick a team, you want these three guys on your side. I'll start with David Smith. He, he got his PGA Tour card. He won the Florida State Amateur, the Mid-Amateur, two-time Gasparilla champion. He's played in U.S. Senior Opens. He's played in, in uh, Senior Tour events in his spare time. He was a father raising two children, and he was phenomenal. Judd Bantz would be another one. He's just a tremendous player. He's tough as nails, a great competitor, still is. And, uh, you know, there's so many others, it's hard to pick, pick one name. Uh, but, uh, you know, I would say those two, I would, okay. I would say really tough. Fair enough. Jimmy, you, three guys that you, would, that you would want if you I'm were gonna, drafting a Southern Miss historical roster. He was one of the players on my team, Glenn Natchik, mm. played the PGA Tour. He's a school teacher down in Florida right now. He won about $3 million, I think, totally on the, on the, you know, during his career. Yeah, he had a great career. He really did. I, I would also go with uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Steve Thomas, he had a lot of nicknames. Catfish. He, was, he could play golf. He was he out of Meridian. He could play golf as good as any of them. And then I'd actually take uh, Kenny Hughes. Who, during his college days, he was great. He's now a club pro down at the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Man. Would, would anybody want to take Coach Bauer? Because all I know is when, I started, when he started playing in the Nike golf tournaments with coaches like Spurrier quit. Because Bauer was dominating so much. He's a good golfer. I think Bauer won the Coaches Golf Championship two years. Ray Guy was a pretty good golfer, probably still is, you know. Man, he could – man, that guy – you talk about an athlete now. Uh, I I saw Ray Guy drive number five. I don't know if you remember the hole. Probably played about 360 yards, and I saw him drive it. That's quite a putt. <laughs> yeah, it's putting for putting for eagle from six feet. You know, it's been great to talk about uh, Southern Miss Golf Course. The Van Hook Golf Course closed in what year, Jimmy? Was that two thousand four? Two thousand and four. But many, many fond memories, not only of that golf course, but of all the greats that have played at Southern Miss. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to go to New Orleans, where uh, Patrick McGee will be joining us, getting us up to date on what's going on in the Crescent City, the Saints, and everything else. Patrick McGee will join us after this commercial timeout. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Eagle Hour continues on this Wednesday. Great conversation. About Southern Miss golf, Gary Cooper, Jimmy Carpenter. Of course, we uh, we miss his dad, man. What a statesman for Southern Miss and the game of golf. Appreciate their time 
on the Eagle Hour, whether you're listening to us live or in podcast form, either on demand at supertalk.fm, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, we appreciate you joining us this final week of 2021. Fourth, our third segment of the Eagle Hour, third segment brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. bunch of more football going on today, 8.95 lunch, and, of course, uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day coming up, college football playoff NFL this weekend. It's all at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Patrick McGee from the NOLA.com digital editor side joins us now as he does every week. And, Patrick, uh, good Christmas for you. Yeah, it was a good one. It was uh, good to see the family. Everybody's well. And I, I came out looking pretty good with all my gifts. I hope you all had a good one. We did. We did indeed. Um, saw saw the picture, by the way, of uh, Blue in the Christmas tree. So so well done. That was, uh, it was good stuff. All right. Um, sometimes it's wise to type out tweets and then go back and delete them. I did one of those last night. I never, I never put it out, but it was an all-caps rant tweet about play football. Just play football. Patrick, uh, we, we talked off air just just a little bit. Five bowl games now canceled, and and I guess if you count Texas A&M six, Texas A&M came out maybe way too early and said that. But better to do that than what UCLA pulled yesterday, and NC State really took it personal. Their coach came out and said we felt like we got lied to, and it, this is crazy. I mean, going forward. Uh, I think it was East Carolina had they they have created a fund within their athletic department to both try to recoup some expenses as well as try to raise money for a military charity that the bowl revenue would go to. This is a mess because schools are incurring expenses um, that they're not getting bowl revenue for. I mean, I guess address the UCLA specifically, and then what are they going to do going forward to fix some of this? Well. It's kind of hard to, to get up. From what I understand, with uh, UCLA, it was like their entire defensive line was basically out. Um, and it was it would have been an ugly game if they had played. I know it's a, really an awful situation. It's different on a professional level where they can adjust and nobody's hit with expenses. But, you know, NC State's already out all the way out there in California. It was, it was an awful situation. Uh, you know, I'm kind of like – you from the aspect that I could, I would like to see these pro, you know teams maybe make more adjustments uh, and try to figure out how to play games under you know a situation like that. But it would have been truly a, a game tough to watch, and it was it's just an impossible situation right now for a lot of these teams. And and frankly, I think it's going to be tough for LSU to go play this bowl game because they're already operating with a short uh, a small roster. Uh, so you know any team like that that uh, has to deal with any kind of COVID. Uh, uh, spread going into the ball game. Of course, they're gaming until January fourth. But if if you got a full roster and you're dealing with a certain number of COVID cases, and you can maybe make some adjustments, I say go play football. I know NC State really feels like that UCLA wasn't very honest or truthful. But as we all know, this this thing spreads quickly and it can pop up easily in a you know. In they didn't have hours. a problem going to to Sea World earlier in the week. You know, it was like yeah, the only. Yeah. Maybe distance thing between them and the public was the the game left to play. I guess what's frustrating right. is, and Memphis was one of those teams uh, where, uh, you know, they got to spend a couple extra days in Hawaii. But I mean, these programs shell out 
this is money. And and I guess I feel I feel less bad for power five schools than I do group of five schools. But you know, group of five schools specifically, man, I mean it costs a lot of money to do that. And then Fans, there was a guy I was reading about yesterday, you know, an NC State fan. He had spent, you know, a, a several hundred dollars to get to San Diego on a flight, and, you know, he arrives and no ball game. And from an expense perspective, right. they got to do something to fix this. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it stinks. I mean, the situation NC State faced is pretty bad. Kelly? New Orleans Saints uh, was in a situation where their, their core – group of guys was certainly depleted and you t- when you talk about money it's a lot in the nfl when you make the playoffs and uh, like that i i have heard i've heard administrators i mean people in the saints organization say it's gotten so bad that they almost think that there is a full-blown conspiracy against uh, the saints by the nfl that the saints had to play and other teams that have had that those type of catastrophic situations have not had to play is there a steadfast rule right now, Patrick, as to what you know what is going to determine whether a game gets canceled, postponed, or played? Well, it, apparently NFL just said straight last week is like, hey, we're not postponing games this week. So, I mean, I don't know why things change from week to week, but the Saints were in especially tough. I mean, they could have pushed it back one day, but I don't think it would have made much difference. And you know, they can't really play on Wednesday and then play on Sunday unless they really push all the schedule back, and that's the problem. Uh, is you can't expect the team to play on a Wednesday then turn around playing on Sunday. It's yeah, I mean it's the, the what the Saints have gone through this season in so many different ways. It's just been absolute just unlucky. Anything you can imagine. I mean we we've seen the Saints go through a lot of weird things uh, over the years, whether it's hurricanes or or just you know weird things popping up. But this year really takes the cake, and it's pretty amazing that you know if they were 500 going into the game Monday, which is a game they would have won. If they had their full complement of players with them, uh, it's it's just got to be so frustrating for Sean Payton and really everybody with the organization because it's just been uh, a nightmare in so many angles and you know some some bright moments. But gosh, you know, it, it, you know you should beat the Dolphins and really and going back they had the COVID situation early on with the Panthers. That's the game they probably could have won if they had things going their way. But it's just so many bad breaks this season for the Saints. Although I will say I think the Dolphins are pretty good. I really do. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not. That's not disrespecting yeah. the Dolphins, but if they had a competent offense out there, they probably that's a game they probably could have won. Well, now, now, Patrick, your city's got to put its best foot forward because you got some hotty toddies coming down there uh, for a big game later on this week. Is the city of New Orleans ready to roll? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, it's you know, there's no really restrictions right now. Uh, everything's kind of ready to host a, a big event like the Sugar Bowl, and I, I know there's going to be a lot of Ole Miss fans. I know Baylor fans travel well, especially for a game like this in New Orleans. Uh, it's I'm, we've we had the New Orleans Bowl last weekend. And I saw some UL fans out and around, but it, it was like I expected more. But the Lord knows, I, I think it was on Monday I drove down and I saw somebody halfway already tailgating a magazine. They're wearing an Ole Miss shirt. Well, did so those I, uh, yeah, I, did those Louisiana fans avoid you, or did you yell at them and tell them they were the University of Louisiana at Lafayette? What'd you do, Patrick? I, I you know, I, I avoided them. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it, now that I've started here and I'm working in uh, Louisiana, it's different rules. So I, you know, they're the UL Cajuns, uh, which to me kind of still is awkward, kind of rolling off the tongue, but you know. You got to do what you got to do. Patrick. People, uh, pe- people that forget what we're talking about a few years ago at the Biloxi Sun Herald. Patrick called them a ULL and University of Louisiana Lafayette in a very respectful way, and the Cajuns <laughs> took exception to that, Kelly. Well, and I and I wanted to ask Patrick. I've talked to some folks down there who who follow uh, professional basketball. 
um, and I say kind of tongue-in-cheek, there aren't many in New Orleans, which leads me to ask this right. question. Um, how safe is that franchise down there if they continue to have empty seats? Well, I, I think – uh, I think there's a. I, I don't think the Pelicans are only NBA team right now. Probably dealing with that issue just for a host of reasons. Uh, but it, you know they're owned by the same folks who own the Saints, and then that's not. A, you know they've got plenty of money involved. They kind of look at the Pelicans as just another investment in the community, kind of like the Faubourg Brewery. You know stuff like that. Uh, so you know financially they're fine. They've got the money to back it up. Uh, there's some people that don't really think there's the commitment to the team that there should be. Uh, but you know, it's there's that possibility. But I, I, I think it comes down to where, you know who's going to own the Saints and who's going to own the Pelicans, you know, eight years from now. And maybe that's whenever we we see a question kind of answered on that. But I don't see them going any, anywhere real soon. But it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And Luke, I wanted to ask you too if if that happens, if they lose a basketball franchise for the second time, it, I think it's pretty safe to say there's not going to be a third time. No, think? we're going to take the we're going to take the jazz back, and and that uh, makes no sense. There's no jazz music that's ever been played in the state of Utah no. ever. So we need to to recoup that and uh, have an image of Pete Maravich right outside. You know, Patrick, I was pushing for a little bit. You got the Caesars uh, Superdome now. I wanted to make the Pelicans Arena, and I wanted to call it the Little Caesars. The Little Caesars. Oh, would it make you know Smoothie King? You know, it's people got kind of gotten used to, it, but it's a weird name. But the Little Caesars Arena would would be it's a golden opportunity. I know. I think they're based out of Detroit, and I think they have sponsorship rights up or, or naming rights on stuff up there. But why not? You know, it just yeah. makes a lot of sense. Got to be Little Caesars. Absolutely. All right, we won't talk to you anymore in 2021. Got any resolutions or, or outlook? Uh, early outlook for Southern Miss sports in the year 2022. Resolutions for myself is to quit eating so much New Orleans food. Uh, but as far as like resolu- for resolutions, I wish for Southern Miss to, to put more competitive teams on the field across the board and really get fin- uh, fans engaged and interested in all levels. And for the Saints, it's just a little bit of luck in that they're still playing in January. You know, well Absolutely. into January. Patrick, I got one. How about make? How about you hope that Blue becomes a social media star? And you can just live off the money that Blue brings in on endorsements. Now, that would be a gift. Uh, there's no possibility of that. But I, I'm still kind of, you know, I need to really upload a lot of photos to his Instagram account. Just go ahead and get all the old ones up and get people liking it and following it. Sounds good. Hey, buddy, thanks for hanging with us, man. Happy New Year to you. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Have a happy New Year. It's Patrick McGee from NOLA.com as he spends uh, time with us every week. Eagle Hour rounds out this Wednesday right after this. Don't go anywhere. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment of the Eagle Hour on this Wednesday brought to you by D-Bad and D1 Training. Best place to go for instruction and to get in the best shape of your life. D1 and D-Bad in Hattiesburg, home of the Luke Johnson 5.240. It's Wednesday. You got football on even right now. 
Maryland leading Virginia Tech seven to nothing in the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Of course, one of those canceled games was the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. SMU and Virginia canceled, but uh, some good ones tonight. Kelly Clemson taking on your Cyclones in the Cheez It Bowl starting at 445 on ESPN. And then tonight, Oregon and Oklahoma in the Valero Alamo Bowl. That may be one of the highest ranked uh, matchups that's ever been in the Alamo Bowl 14th Ducks against 16th. Sooners, Bob Stoops, Kelly, coaching the Sooners, uh, stepping in uh, as an interim coach. Yeah, because Brent Venables, who's uh, the new coach at Oklahoma, is coaching for Clemson as the OC as the Tigers take on the uh, Cyclones tonight in Orlando. You know, if, if had Iowa State had a better regular season, I probably would have gone to the bowl but game. But I thought they were, uh, I thought they were the preseason favorite to win the national championship. They were, they were, but. You know, things don't happen like the Bengals are, are the preseason pick to win the Super Bowl. I don't know that it'll happen. Yep. <laughs> All right, an update on our poll yesterday. Uh, it's open for uh, another couple days. Who is the 2021 Southern Miss Athlete of the Year? Right now, the uh, the top four, Reed Trimble leading the way uh, with uh, about half of the votes uh, total. Uh, Reed Trimble, because what I did was, if if you haven't voted yet, there's actually two polls, because I I could only do four choices per poll. So there's a thread on the Super Talk Eagle Hour page uh, right underneath it. So you've got Elena Squared O, Reed Trimble, Eric Richards, Walker Walker Powell, Frank Gore Jr., Malia Grayson, Hunter Stanley, and Malik Shorts. Right now, uh, Reed Trimble in first, and uh, Frank Gore Jr. and Elena Squared O tied for second. Walker Powell in uh, in third place. So continue to vote on that. Got about uh, two more days to to do that. So uh, should be should be fun. All right, um, Kelly, I need to explain something uh, yesterday that that happened. Before I do that, go ahead and talk about. Uh, there's some stuff going on on the, on the Gulf Coast uh, that that's pretty exciting. Yeah, there, there's a, a exhibition hockey game on Thursday night. Of course, the the Eagles are at home against Western Kentucky, but down on on the coast. They're having an exhibition hockey game. A group of investors down there are trying to see the judge the the possibility of bringing the Mississippi Sea Wolves back. Man, East, that would be so much fun. East Coast Hockey League and the atten- but based on the attendance of the first two games, yeah. they're look they're talking about potentially selling out the Gulf Coast Coliseum for a hockey game. And that's a fun room to sell out to. <laughs> well, it we'll, is. We'll see. We'll, we'll kind of keep you up to date as to how that goes. But, uh, of course, the Eagles playing Thursday night against Western Kentucky. Then Saturday, a 2 o'clock start against Marshall. Uh, tomorrow on the program, real quick, Shea Lott and Rodney Shows, two officials um, at the collegiate level. We're going to talk about talk to them. And Melissa Socher will be updating us on the fundraiser for Corky Palmer Luke. All right. Um, so, so yesterday, last night, I, I, I tweeted out just that I was pulling for Mississippi State. And I got some flack for that, but it was only because so so Lauren's family, even though Lauren is a very much a Golden Eagle, Lauren's family on her mother's side were like season ticket holders for Mississippi State football and baseball for like decades. Okay, so every Christmas or most Christmases from that side of the family, we get a humongous block of Mississippi State cheese, and I hope that your love for Southern Miss doesn't exclude you. Uh, or does it cause you to miss out on some good things in life that come from other places in this state? One of those particularly is Mississippi State cheese. And if you haven't had ice cream, uh, I would recommend... What? Uh, what? What do you say? They make ice cream, okay? <laughs> I'm listening. No, Mississippi State ice cream. I'm so listening. It, I'm listening. Muskydine Ripple. 
is absolutely phenomenal, okay? And if you want to talk about what it can do to add on to the freshman 15, talk to Caleb Hamill. He has some horror stories about how they had every flavor of Mississippi State ice cream in the cafeteria available all the time. Anyway, so we got this huge block of Mississippi State cheese. So I simply said, I'm pulling for the Bulldogs tonight only because they put good things like this you know, offer good things like this, or they give this to the world, and it was a picture of the cheese. So anyway, I took some flack. What was hilarious was our good buddy Jason uh, Jason Bump Bailey um, said something about uh, earlier today on, on Twitter, commented on that, and said, maybe you should cheer for them more often, to which I replied, that was the plan all along. So ah. if anyone's questioned my loyalty, so like- they got blown out. There we go. So you and Dr. Evil kind of got this plan together, right? But for the record, I will eat Mississippi State dairy products all day long without any shame, Southern Miss to the top. Well, the Bulldogs did what in the bed last night? I mean, that was was pitiful. That was was a pitiful performance. Um, And you certainly hope that that's not indicative. Give me a a Clemson-Iowa State score real quick. uh, Clemson wins. Uh, just a, a point and a half favorite. Twenty-four to twenty-one, Clemson. Cyclones. Matt I, Campbell. I hope you're right. Believe He's me, I hope you're right. Get an offer right. of an NFL job after he beats Clemson today, maybe. Anyway, hey, we'll be back tomorrow. Good show for uh, you tomorrow. Hope you have a great Wednesday. Enjoy the '80s because it's going to be back in the '30s this weekend. Looking forward for Will to Tony it. and yeah, Kelly Sander. We'll catch you tomorrow, as always. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.